Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. And I say these, these, these stories make for interesting articles, they make for interesting blog posts, and, and I find them on social media to be very encouraging. But I'm going to tell you something right now that's even more encouraging. Like what's more encouraging than that? It's this. It's the missionary who goes to the field and grinds it out through suffering over years of patient endurance and is sticking it out. It's the young couple who used to be on fire for Jesus, married 50 years later, still on fire for Jesus through all the trials and tribulations. It's the family that has brought an adopted child into their their life through sacrifice and they've gone through the trials, through the ups and downs and they are patiently enduring as a family. What I'm getting at is that we can all have these great encouraging steps of radical faith and that's awesome. But what encourages me is the patient endurance over the long haul. I can tell you at the beginning of your trial and your suffering, get ready, stick it out, and you're all on board. And yet, over time, our faith can waver and sometimes tank. But what we want is patient endurance. If I were to ask you here this morning, how many of you want patience in your trial? How many want patience in your suffering? I guarantee you pretty much everybody in here would raise their hand and say, yes, I want patience. All right. Go ahead and pray that prayer. What's going to happen? God's going to put you through something, right? Because it tends to be that our Faith is refined and our patience is made strong through trial. And you know who is held up as a symbol of patient endurance is this guy named Job. In fact, the New Testament wants you to look at him as an example of patient endurance. Uh, Let me put it on the screen for you right now. Uh, The book of James. Look at this first. I'll put it up for you. James 5. Did you know that this author is trying uh, trying to get his audience, the church, to persevere in their faith until Jesus comes back? And one of the examples that he gives of patient endurance is Job. Let me read this to you. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience... Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing, that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. Well, you know the story of Job. He lost his property, lost his his kids, his body's falling apart. And top of that, his wife says, curse God and die. And yet the book of James says that Job is steadfast and patient. And you think, well, well, how is that? He does a lot of griping and complaining. 
Yeah, he does that to God. He's continually pressing in to God. And you'll see through his, his patient endurance, he'll have these moments where he'll say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the midst of all the trials, he'll say, I know my Redeemer lives. You'll see this faith peeking through. Though he slayed me, yet I will hope in him. And so Job is an example of patient endurance. But uh, as you can tell, he's going through a lot. And you'll find that God will work on your heart and your mind and give you this steadfastness through trial. Someone has put it like this. Um, there is no microwaves in God's kitchen. Just crockpots. You put in there, and the heat's turned up, and you slowly cook. And there is this refining and this sharpening of your faith as gold is refined by fire, and you find yourself patiently enduring the trial. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we're back in Job. So let's go ahead and turn back in Job to chapter 22, chapter 22. Today, we're only going to cover six chapters. A pastor was once asked why the book of Job is so long, and he said, maybe it's because sometimes our suffering is so long. And I've talked to many people who are going through trials right now, and we have jokingly said, we are ready for the book of Job to be over. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Well, round one, round two are over. Remember round one and round two where Job's so-called friends have attempted to confront Job concerning his suffering. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar each believe that Job is suffering because of his sin. If he'll just repent, he'll be restored. They know the way life works. Job is suffering because of his own sinful self. They leave no room for anything else. They don't believe the innocent suffer. They have no idea about the, the challenge uh, from Satan in heaven. And yet Job, he's going through all this uh, stuff. He's pushing back on his friends. He's asking God to give him a, a fair hearing. Now it's time for the last round. We're done with these dudes after today. Pastor Jim has already hit on Job's fourth so-called friend, uh, we're, we're, and we're not going to cover him. So this, this should be it with these guys. We can celebrate. And uh, the last round is here, but only two friends show up. I guess the other guy gave up. So we have Eliphaz and Bildad, and they're going to rehash, rehearse some of the same old arguments that don't apply to Job. All right? Let's start chapter 22 and watch as Eliphaz goes in attack mode. Let's start with verse 5. Oh, this is mean. Look what he says. Is not your wickedness great and your iniquities without end? For you have taken pledges of your brothers without cause and stripped men naked. To the weary you have given no water to drink. From the hungry you have withheld bread. But the earth belongs to the mighty man, and the honorable man dwells in it. You have sent widows away empty, and the strength of the orphans has been crushed. Therefore, snares surround you, and sudden dread terrifies you. Oh, or darkness, so that you cannot see, and an abundance of water covers you. Here's the deal. 
Eliphaz is offering zero comfort, but he is laying out Job's specific sins. He says that Job is suffering because he has stolen. He has tricked others out of money. He didn't give food or water to the poor and weary, and he has oppressed the orphans and the widows. Now, how does he know that Job has done these things? Well, he doesn't know that, but he knows that people who do those things suffer, so he's assuming that Job has done those things. It's false accusation. It's evil. And in the midst of all that, he has the audacity to call Job to repentance. Skip down to verse 21. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 through 23 of chapter 22. He's called him to repentance. He says, yield now and be at peace with him. Thereby, thereby good will come to you. Please receive instruction from his mouth and establish his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you'll be restored. If you remove unrighteousness far from your tent. If Job would just repent from his wicked ways, then he'll be at peace with God. He'll be restored. And then Job, once he's restored, will help sinners also be delivered and restored. <laughs> Look at verse 30. He says, if you do all these things, he will deliver one who is not innocent, and he'll be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. <laughs> so here's some irony. Eliphaz is saying, Job, once you're restored after all your repentance, then you are going to intercede on behalf of sinners. Now, if you pay attention to the book of Job at the end, he's actually interceding on behalf of sinners. And who are the sinners? These dudes right here. And Eliphaz is one of them. You see, Eliphaz thinks he knows how Job can fix his situation. He says, if you repent, you can be fixed. But Job that's not, knows that's not true. And oftentimes, we know there's no quick fix to some of our problems. And when there's no quick fix, we want, to, we want to run away, we want to bail. And what we need instead of a quick fix is we need this patient endurance. Like, why does God set it up that way? Because in the midst of that trial you're going through, God is doing a work in you. He's producing something in you. He's refining the, your faith like gold in the fire. And so what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to sit back and let the trial by faith do its work. Remember what we said last week, right? You know, hang on, let go. Hang on to God, let go of the outcome. Well, I heard something really good this week. It's actually a prayer. It's really short. It goes like this. Heavenly Father, use this until you choose to remove this. That's good. Heavenly Father, use this trial right now in my life the way you want to until you choose to remove it. Now, back to Job here. I would be so discouraged with my friends kicking me when I was down. It would be hard to patiently endure. And that's an issue for Job. But a bigger issue for Job is that he has an issue with God. Now, he's annoyed by his friends, but his real issue is with God. Why is this happening? And uh, Pastor Ray Stedman, many of you may know him, he asked some questions that we're going to ask as we move into chapter 23 and 24. So let me put up these two questions for you. Question number one that Job is wondering is why is God seemingly absent from human affairs? Uh, that's the way he feels. He may have a different theology, but that's the way he feels. And the second question 
It's why does God seem to disappear from our lives just when we need him most? Have you ever felt like that? God, I need you right now. Where are you at? That's the way he feels, okay? Doesn't mean it's true, but that's the way he feels. So let's go into chapter 23 and hear his feelings, his emotions. Job chapter 23, let's start with verse 3. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. (laughs) He's like, where's God at? If I could find him, I'm coming to his presence. And and I'm going to put something up for you. Let's put up the NIV translation of verses 8 and and, and 9. This is what he says in verse 8 and 9 in the NIV. He says, but if I go to the east, he's not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he's at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. He's like, I've searched north, south, east, and west. I can't find God. Where is he at? I want to come before him. I want to present my case, but I can't find God. (laughs) Sounds like often something we experience when our prayers are not being answered the way we want our prayers answered. And God seems to be absent But in the midst of that, you need to know that when your prayers and your life is not turning around the way you want, God is still engaged with you. And so your mindset needs to switch to, Heavenly Father, use this until you remove this. Because God is still with you. And even though Job can't see God, God sees Job and Job knows it. Look at verse 10 and 12. Verse 10 and 12 of chapter 23. He knows that God sees him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. So even though Job can't find God, God sees Job and Job knows that. So he continues to walk a life of integrity. Now that is a walk of faith. When your prayers are not being answered, when you feel like God is absent and you're saying, God, I don't feel you. I don't sense you, but I'm going to follow you. And that's where Job at. He's walking with integrity by faith. God's going to use this until he chooses to remove this. Now, as we move into chapter 24, Ray Stebman has a couple more questions of what Job feels. Let me put those questions up for you. Question number three, why is God silent? And question number four, why doesn't he judge evil? That's what Job senses. That's what he feels. Why is God being silent? Why doesn't he deal with evil right now? Job 24, verse one, why does the almighty not set times for judgment? Why must those who know him look in vain for such days? There are those who remove boundary stones. They pasture flocks they have stolen. They drive away the orphan's donking and take the widow's oxen pledge. They thrust the needy from the path and force all the poor of the land into hiding. (laughs) So evil's running rampant against the most vulnerable of society, the orphans and the widows. It's like the orphans and the widows are waiting on God's judgment, but it doesn't seem to be coming. You ever kind of like pushed into God? God, bring your heat, bring your wrath, bring your judgment. Where are you at? It keeps going. Verses 13 and 17. Verses 13 through 17. 
It says, there are those who rebel against the light, who do not know its way or stay in its path. When daylight has gone, the murderer rises up, kills the poor and needy, and in the night steals forth like a thief. The eye of the adulterer watches for dusk. He thinks, no eye will see me. And he keeps his face concealed. In the dark, thieves break into houses, but by day they shut themselves in. They want nothing to do with the light. For all of them, midnight is their morning. They make friends with the terrors of the darkness. (laughs) So as night comes, so do the murderers, adulterers, and thieves. It's evil out of control, targeting the most poor and needy. Where's God? Why doesn't he judge evil? Job's friends always see God's justice as swift and basically immediately, but it's not always the case as the wicked can flourish. And my brothers and sisters, I want you to understand this. Justice delayed is not justice denied. Justice delayed is not justice denied. God will judge in his time. So when evil is coming against you, don't think God is absent. Look at verse 18 of chapter 24. They are significant. The surface of the water, the portion of the land is cursed so that no one goes to the vineyards. As heat and drought snatch away the melted snow, so the grave snatches away those have sinned. And the womb forgets them. The worst feast on them. He's saying the judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. They are exalted a little while, then they are no more. Moreover, they are brought low like everything gathered up. Even like the heads of grain, they are cut off. He's saying the wicked will perish. It's coming. Worms will feast on them. God, he's going to drag them away. They're not going to see life. Judgment is coming. Because justice delayed is not justice denied. This past week, I was listening to Pastor Peter Tan Chi. I was just listening to his sermon. And in the midst of that, he stops and he, he says, the most difficult thing that my wife and I have ever experienced is when our 15-year-old daughter was raped by seven men. He said, you know, she... It's a pure girl. She was a virgin. She never even kissed a man. And he and his wife are wondering, why did that happen? He's like, God, I'm preaching your word. I don't have secret sin in my life. We're living lives of integrity. Why is this happening? Where's the justice? And of course, justice Delayed is not justice denied. And he said this happened on our Friday. And his gods are, and you know, he was like, what are we going to do, God? What, where are you? Do you care? And he and his wife over the weekend going up to that Sunday just felt the Lord speaking to them through his word that, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love them. So they're clinging to that verse in Romans 8 and they show up on Sunday and they're just worshiping. Nothing is resolved, nothing is fixed. They are by faith walking this line for months of patient endurance. God's a God of justice. God is sovereign to control. 
And we know that he's a God that causes all things to work together for good. For those who love him, we are going to trust him and we are going to cling to him. That's a life of patient endurance. Now we come to chapter 25, and this is time for round three of Bildad. Now, if you notice, chapter 25 is pretty short because it it seems as if Job is going to cut this guy off. (laughs) So look at verse 22. It says, dominion and awe belong to him who establishes peace in his heights. And then he's going to kind of give a dig at Job here in verses four through six. How then can man be just with God or how can he be clean who is born of woman? If even the moon has no brightness and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less man that maggot (laughs) and the son of man that worm. (laughs) So Job's friends think they not only speak for God, but they also speak for man who is a maggot. (laughs) And right now they're saying, okay, either God's right are Job's right. And since Job is suffering, God is right. In fact, Job, it's your fault you're suffering. You're in the wrong. God is right. And it's as if Job just wants to cut him off. No more talking. And, and that's the way I feel when I find myself heaping up condemnation upon myself for my problems. Yes, I may be in the wrong. Yes, I may have caused them. But in Christ, I am called innocent in Jesus. And there's no condemnation in Jesus. So if you happen to have an inner Eliphaz or an inner Bildad or an inner Zophar chirping in your ear or at your heart that you are separated from God forever, you are lost because of your trials, you have to remind yourself, no, in Christ, there is no condemnation. Job had literal friends chirping at him. We have our hearts often saying things in our lives that are not true. We have to keep coming back to the truth and our trial so that we can persevere. Those in Christ, there's no condemnation. No matter what, perseverance. Well, Job gives them the boot, thank goodness. And this is what he says with great sarcasm in chapter 26. Let's bring a little sarcasm into this. Chapter 26, starting in verse 2. He said, what a help you are to the weak. How you have saved the arm without strength. What counsel you have given to one without wisdom. What helpful insight you have abundantly provided. To whom have you uttered words and whose spirit was expressed through you? It's like, wow, you guys are so helpful. Not at all. Their words have not helped the poor. Their words have not helped the widow. And their words have not helped the needy. Job, we know he's helped the vulnerable. We know that he's helped those who are poor. In fact, get this. Their words are actually making the plight of the poor and the needy worse. Because they are claiming that people that are poor, needy, orphans, and widows... It's all because of their sin. That is worthless, not helpful at all. And then Job continues in chapter 27 to address the wicked. Let's just keep going here. Chapter 27. 
So if Job, who's an innocent man, has suffered greatly, well, I guess the wicked will suffer more, which is true. Look at chapter 27, verse 8 and 9. It says, for what is the hope of the godless when he is cut off, when God requires his life? Will God hear his cry when distress comes upon him? Now jump down to verse 13. Verse 13. This is the portion of a wicked man from God and the inheritance which tyrants receive from the Almighty. Though his sons are many, they are destined for the sword and his descendants will not be satisfied with bread. His survivors will be buried because of the plague and their widows will not be able to weep. He's basically saying the judgment of God awaits the wicked. In fact, Job seems to be alluding to the fact that his friends need to fear the judgment of God rather than assuming that Job is the one who is facing judgment. But we'll get more into that as we finish up the rest of the book. But we have just concluded many, 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 many chapters of listening to miserable comforters. I'm glad they're gone. And so I want to bring you back to the book of James. Let me put it back on the screen for you. James 5, 10 through 11. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Job loses his property, loses his children, he loses his health. His wife is against him. His friends are chirping at him. And it says that he remained steadfast. He patiently endured. How did he do that? Well, it says that the Lord with Job was full of compassion and merciful. And as the Lord is full of compassion and merciful, in the midst of that, Job's like, he may slay me. I'll hope in him. My Redeemer lives. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I think... What has happened with Job in the midst of all of his why questions? Now, get this. I heard this. This is really good. When faith breaks through for Job, he switches from his why questions to who. Rather than why, 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 why has this happened to me? He breaks through by faith and you have this who. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. My redeemer lives, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so when he focuses on who, something radically changes, right? And so for us, when we're stuck in this why, why is this happening to me? We're going to find that our faith is faltering. We'll find endurance is lacking because we're just wanting to know the explanations for everything and a quick fix. But our solution lies in the who, I woke up this morning, uh, early this morning, maybe many of you are up early, maybe you're up early all the time, but I was up really early this morning, and I kid you not, I woke up, and I really wanted to know an explanation on why something happened to me about five to six to seven years ago. I really, why did that happen to me? And it's almost as if I wanted to talk to a certain amount of people and say, why did all this happen? Why, why, why? And I know there's no explanation, and I know there's no answer, but I was crying out to God, Why? And maybe you've been there. Maybe you're right, right now. God, why am I going through this? Why? Well, faith starts to break through with this endurance when we switch that to who. And who sounds a lot like this, okay? Who sounds like me knowing, God, you're compassionate and merciful? 
Who sounds a lot like, okay, Heavenly Father, use this until you choose to remove this. Who sounds a lot like justice delayed is not justice denied? Who sounds like God causes all things to work together for those, for good, for those who love him? And when you start focusing on the who, you realize that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so if you're here this morning and you're struggling through a lot of whys and you really have no explanation, I don't have an explanation for you and you want a quick fix, I don't have a quick fix for you. All I got for you is the who. And the who brings us to a God who has sent his son for us out of love. The who brings us to the one who sent his son Jesus, who lived a perfect life in the place of sinners, that all who call to him and look to him can be forgiven through his life, death, and resurrection. And because we believe in the one who saved us, we know that one day he's coming back to take us. We believe in the one who saved us. We know that one day we will see face to face. And we know for sure there is a timetable based into our trial and suffering, and it has an expiration date. This trial, this suffering you're going through will not last forever. Either Christ will come back or we'll see him face to face. And in the midst of that, we are people who walk by faith with patient endurance, calling out to him. We're holding on to him. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.